Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire you in your walk with God. For more information about our church, check out our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram at C3 Calgary West. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Stop, stop. Thank you so much for that amazingly warm welcome. Sarana, talk about a, a voice for our generation. Uh, come on. I'm in good company here. Uh, I have a couple quick just things I want to mention to the youth and the young adults and the parents. Um, just while I'm up on the stage, a couple announcements. Uh, we're going to start registrations for youth camping trip, which is happening uh, August 16th, 17th, and 18th next weekend. So there's going to be a table out in the foyer if you want to get your kids registered up. It's going to be 70 do- 75 bucks per student. It's going to be an awesome time. Hannah and Brandon are away in Hawaii right now suffering for Jesus, but next weekend, uh, <laughs> yeah, God bless them. And uh, uh, yeah, August 16th, 17th, and 18th. So we'll, we'll have the table set up every weekend between now and then for registrations. And then young adults, we've got a camping trip happening this coming weekend on the 19th. So if you want to come out, have an awesome time at McLean Creek, we would love your welcome. You're just invited. So please come. You have to come. If you don't come, we're just not going to do it. And uh, I mean all of you. So 100% of you have to come or we're just closing it down. (laughs) It's good to see you all this morning. Uh, We've been doing a really awesome series called Core Culture. There it is. Uh, Last week, Pastor Lauren talked about honor. The week before uh, was peace. And this has been an awesome series. How many people have been here for it? Uh, one of the, yeah, it's awesome. So I have the absolute privilege of continuing on with this series. And this morning, it's still morning, yeah. Uh, I've had a lot of coffee, and uh, it is morning. I, I'm talking about hope this morning. I think uh, it's, such a, it's such a privilege to talk about hope. Uh, as I was preparing, I, I started, I asked, like, I was like, what is hope? as I was preparing, you know. And what I realized is hope is not wishful thinking. That's the world's hope, wishful thinking. I hope something good's going to happen. Biblical hope or God's hope is an excited anticipation for something good that you know is going to happen. It's a little bit different. Hope is in something that we know is going to happen. It's not wishful thinking. We live in a world that seems pretty hopeless. Am I wrong? No, it does seem pretty hopeless. Like, turn on your television, Instagram, Facebook, what do you see? Kim Kardashian. And uh, Yummy Mummies on Netflix. Oh my goodness. My wife may or may not have fallen into that trap of Satan. And... uh, (laughs) Love you, babe, so much. That's my wife, Brittany, and my little son, Jacob. Man, I am so blessed. And uh, Cardi B giving political advice. Did anybody see any of Oh, man, it's just hopeless. <laughs> so hopeless right now when you look at stuff like that. But in all seriousness, a few years ago, the World Health Organization did a study, and they found that back in 1990... Uh, unipolar major depression was the leading cause, or second leading cause of disability across the world, worldwide. They predicted that by 2020, it would be the second leading cause of death worldwide. That's next year. That depression will be the second leading cause of death worldwide. Not just in this country, but worldwide. That is 
unbelievable. Depression rates are doubling every 20 years. Children with depression are getting more depressed by 23% every year. So there's 23% more depression in young children every year. Antidepressants are being prescribed to kids eight years old and sometimes younger. Antidepressants, childhood is a time of joy and happiness. Over a million people every year commit suicide worldwide. Over a million people. That's one every 40 seconds. I didn't even want to do the math on between the time that I started speaking until the time that I finished. I didn't even want to. It's, it's far too, it makes me depressed thinking about that. We're living in a hopeless world and it seems like it's getting worse. We're in a crisis of hopelessness. My belief is that this morning, the word that God's put on my heart has the power to radically change your life towards hopefulness and away from despair and hopelessness. But I also want to be very clear. I'm not saying that I'm going to fix all your problems. Gosh, I wish. It's not going to fix all your problems, what I'm going to share with you this morning. Some of you are going through real things. Some of you are in a lot of pain. Some of you are going through dark times, through storms, all kinds of stuff. I'm not going to fix any of that. But did you know that hope and pain can actually exist in the same space? I want everybody to say, something good is going to happen. Uh, And now I want you to say, uh, I hope that Matt preaches a good message. (laughs) Me too, in Jesus' name. And uh, let's read some scripture, hey? How about that? Let's do that. Okay, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. This is uh, in the ESV. We have it up in, oh, there it is, hey. Uh, And it says, and we know... That for those who love God, all things, say all things, things. work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I love this. The Apostle Paul is saying that no matter what happens in your life, no matter what, he says all things will work together for good. It's a declaration of hope. I love that so much. But can I be honest with you? Sometimes I don't love that so much. Sometimes I read scriptures like that, and I am in impossible frustration. God, how are you possibly going to use the current situation that I'm in for good? A lot of you know that recently, and maybe you're a guest here, maybe you you don't know, that we lost a very dear friend and a very dear member of our family not too long ago, just a few short weeks ago, Dan Pond. And as I've been going through grief and as I've been processing all of this, I haven't felt super hopeful. And I read a scripture like this, which is a declaration of hope that all things are going to work for good, and I go, God, why? How? You know? How can you possibly use this terrible situation for good? It frustrates me sometimes. And I know maybe a lot of you are feeling the same way. Maybe a lot of you are dealing with other difficult situations, losses of your own, not Dan, but other people in your life, losses of relationship. Maybe you're dealing with sickness, disease, joblessness, whatever it is. You might be going through a storm this morning. I believe there's a lot of us that actually are. And I want you to know that I believe that this scripture especially, is, it's declaring hope, but it's also a scripture of spiritual warfare. Through these difficult storms and through these difficult times that we can actually declare, God, I don't know how, but all things are going to work for good. 
it's not a throwaway statement. It's not a throwaway um, just, you know, something nice to say. Oh, all things are going to work together for good. No, it's, it's powerful in the midst of not good things. And I also want to be clear. This morning, I'm not going to give you a keep your chin up sort of message. I'm not going to, you know, slap you on the back and say, hey, stiff upper lip, mate. You know? Uh, yeah, it was terrible, wasn't it? Yeah. And... Uh, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to minimize the stuff that you're actually going through. And, and that is, I need you to hear me this morning. I need you to stick with me through this message. I am not minimizing what you're going through. My heart is breaking with you in every situation because my heart is actually broken. I'm speaking to you from a place of pain and grief and mourning, deep grief. Dan was one of my best friends. I love him so much. And he's not here today. I can tell you that I'm going through storms myself. And if you're here this morning, this isn't keep your chin up message, okay? So just stick with me. How about we pray? How about that? Um, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for bringing us here together as a family this morning. Thank you that we can worship you freely here. Thank you that you're here to teach us. We're here to learn from you. And I pray that you would open our hearts and open our minds and that you would flood us with hope that comes from heaven. I pray that you would help me to communicate this message that you've put on my heart effectively in the time that's been given, or plus an extra 20 minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> I've got jokes, eh? Okay, so I've got three points that I want to share with you. And the first one, I think the thing that's keeping us just very generally uh, from hope in our lives is that we have a lack of vision. More specifically, we have a lack of God's vision for our lives lack of God's vision for our purpose. Let's read some more scripture, okay? How about uh, John chapter 9, verses 1 to 5? Uh, Jesus was walking down the street, and he noticed a blind man from birth. Okay, I'm just going to stop right there. Some of us are born blind, like physically. All of us are born blind spiritually. Every single one of us, every single person that has ever been born has been born blind spiritually. And I think that this actually creates two issues. One... We're unable to see God at work in our circumstances, and we're also unable to know what God's plan and purpose is for us. Two major issues, blindness. Okay, let's keep reading. Then his disciple asked him, teacher, whose sin caused this guy's blindness, his own or the sin of his parents? And so sometimes we hear this in Christianity, in Christian circles, not here, thank you, Jesus, because we love people, but sometimes you will hear a religious person say, Oh, look at that situation. I wonder what unresolved sin is in their life that has caused this. Um, if you ever hear that, I just, in Jesus' name, on my behalf, just give them a, a holy slap from God. No, no, from, from Matt, not God. Anyway, no, we love people and we don't do that. But it's ridiculous to think that God punishes people for mistakes that have been making. I, I, I realize that people make mistakes and sometimes it coincides with something else that happens or sometimes your mistake leads to an issue, but you're not being punished by God for mistakes, right? Okay, so I just needed to say that uh, and I, I just wanted to do this whole slapping thing and, um, um, you know, God's just not sadistic, right? He's just not sadistic. If you're experiencing trouble or if you're going through a hard time, you need to know that it's not bad karma. I hate, I hate that idea of karma. I'm getting onto a tangent. So karma 
It's an interesting thing, but it's like karma, you know, you're paying for the faults of your last, so we were reborn every single life, and we're paying for the sins or our faults of our last life. Well, what about the first time? Like, what are you paying for at the very, like, let's go all the way back. What were you paying for the first time that you, anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Uh, but we need to be able to see, this guy was blind from birth, okay, especially during that time. That would have been an unimaginable, unimaginable situation. He would have been locked into a state of poverty. He would have had no hope of ever getting a job, no hope of ever marrying likely, no hope of owning a home, being able to take care of a family, no hope of driving a car. He was blind. Also, there were no cars. <laughs> Certainly no hope of driving a car if there is. What is a car, Matt? I don't know. Anyway, he had no hope. He couldn't imagine a different situation. He couldn't even, it couldn't even like enter into your mind that something different could be. You would have been, you would have been trapped in that. And I think for us a lot of times when we're in the depths of despair, when we're in the depths of difficult situations, we are completely blind to see that there's something else on the horizon, that there could be a different situation, that there could be different circumstances coming up. But when we're in the depths of blindness and pain, we get locked into it. But I have found that that vision, God's vision for our lives, God's vision for our future, and God's vision for our purpose will carry us through the most difficult times, the most difficult situations, the most crazy, horrible storms that we're facing. God's vision is the cure to our blindness, and it will carry us through, even in dark times. When we know something good is on a horizon, it's like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Right? Yes, I'm in it right now, but that's not the end. I can see a light. I know that God has promises for me. I know that God has mercy for me. I'm going to get through it. Vision carries us through hard times. The thing about that is, is again, I'm, this isn't a, you know, a pep talk. Like You might be going through something difficult, and you might be sad. You might be broken. You might be in sorrow. You might be in grief. But like I said, if we have a vision for the it's not going to take away that pain, but it's going to help us keep fighting. We're not, we're not going to give up when we know that something good is on the horizon. You can still be sad. Give yourself permission to be sad. Give yourself permission to feel and go through everything that you're feeling. God, God wants you to know this morning, church, that he's got good things planned for you. He wants to fill you with hope. How do I know that God wants that for you? Thank you very much for asking. Let's look at Romans 15, 13. This is in the Passion Translation. It says, Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. So as we trust in Him for a vision, as we trust in Him for purposes, God is a fountain of hope that is ready to just flow all of that into you. I love that so much. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his super abundance until you radiate with hope. I want to radiate with hope. Come on, so good. The reason why we're depressed, church, the reason is because we have a lack of hope. Depression comes in the vacuum of hope. When we have no hope, depression comes in. When people have no vision for their future, when they have no vision for their purpose, they perish. Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. 
When you don't understand what you're here on this earth to do, you will begin to perish. But when we start functioning in the plan and the purpose that God has for our lives, when we start to see this, we will begin to find that all things begin to work together for good for those who are the called according to his purpose. Church, this morning, you are the called. You are called according to his purpose. God has purpose. He has vision. He wants you to know that he's here with you. You are the called. A little side note about that too is that uh, oftentimes we, we start functioning what we believe is our purpose because it's something that's good or it's something that's cool or like I saw somebody preaching one time, I want to be a preacher so I want to start preaching and, or you know, I want to be a mechanic but you know what, I, I have like two left hands and I'm right-handed and so it just doesn't work with tools, you know, you shouldn't be using saws because you'll, you know, cut your hand. Anyway, so what I found is that using the wrong purpose in your life can cause a lot of friction and a lot of pain. Uh, a number of years ago, Dan and I uh, were changing the brakes in my car. And Dan liked to do all that stuff super quick, and I'm slow and meticulous, but it was like, whatever. He's, we're hanging out, we're having a good time. So we have this impact drill, an impact gun, you know, and uh, we just throws a, just a regular socket on it, and we're hammering away at something. All of a sudden, the, the socket, it just snapped, it broke. We were using the wrong tool for the job. We needed an impact-rated socket. And that's what happens when we are functioning in a purpose that's not ours. Right? We need a God purpose for our life, not a good purpose, a God purpose for our life. Otherwise, too much friction will happen, we'll begin to crack, and we'll begin to break. Okay? So, so this morning, I want to encourage you that God has a unique thing for you. And I believe that you're going to discover that this morning or this week. It's a process. Come on, it's a process. Some of us are blind to our purpose, but you will have the veil pulled from your eyes this morning and you will begin to see God working in and through your life. Okay, my next point surrounds the idea of what about when bad things happen? So God has a vision and has a purpose for every single one of us, but what about when terrible things happen? How can we have hope in terrible situations? God is in the business of redeeming all things. Constantly, every situation, he is redeeming it and he will redeem it. Redeeming means to atone or make amends for an error or an evil. To do something that compensates for a past error or fault or situation or circumstance. I just thought that was interesting that evil and injustice take place in our life sometimes. Bad things happen in our life. God didn't cause those things to happen, but they happen just the same. That's the world that we live in. It's fallen. It's broken. We're not in a state of perfection. But when something does happen, God is in that situation ready to do a corresponding action that will work for good. It's, he always has a response to evil. God always triumphs in every situation. God always gets the glory in every situation. God is always redeeming every situation, no matter how dark, no matter how hopeless, no matter how painful. Let's look, look back at uh, John chapter 9, verse 3 to 5. Uh, the, the, the blind man, the disciples say, oh, who sinned? <laughs> him or him? And Jesus answers, he said, neither. It happened to him so that you could watch him experience God's miracle. Again, I want to be clear. God didn't cause it to happen. The situation happened. 
but everything God uses so that we can see his great love for us, so that we can see miracles, so that we can see how much he cares about us. Verse 4, while I'm with you, it is daytime and we must do the works of God who sent me while the light shines. For there is coming a dark night when no one will be able to work. And as long as I'm with you, I love this, as long as I'm with you, my life is the light that pierces the world's darkness. Oh my goodness. It is so amazing. God will never allow darkness to win. In any situation, he will never let that be the last word. Oh, he is redeeming every negative situation. Not even evil, nothing, not even death is the last word. He wants to show us his great love. Now again, stick with me. What I'm not saying is that bad things have to happen so that God can show off how great he is. That is absolutely untrue. What I'm saying is that bad things do happen. And God is so ready to come into those situations to let you know that you're not alone, to let you know that he is still good in every situation, to let you know that his promises are still true, that he is still faithful, that there is new mercy every single day. It would be really easy, and I know because I've gone there in dark times, to look at scriptures like this and be like, well, you know what? My friend Dan had to die for some greater purpose. But that is not true. He didn't have to. He just, he did. We live in that world. It's so temporary. And it's painful and it's difficult, but I'm so thankful, like I said, that God will not let that be the last word in this situation. We live in a world of trouble and heartache. Horrible things happen all the time. God takes the situations that he didn't cause and he works through them so that the end result will always be for the greater good. Always in every situation. Sometimes, most of the time, it's very difficult to see. It's very difficult to understand. Why? I, I don't know. I wish I had that answer. I used to pray things like this. God, Here's the situation in my life that isn't good. Something's going wrong. There's a disease or there's heartache or there's a relationship breakdown or there's a death. God, if you would just fix that situation, Lord. God, I'm praying that you would just cure that disease, that you would just cure this or you would just fix that situation. And sometimes it would, it would happen and sometimes it wouldn't. And it would be painful. It would be hard to understand. But God's not like this magical genie that we just sort of rub the lamp, blue guy pops up, and we get three wishes, and everything is hunky-dory all the time. You know, we, we live in a world of miracle and mystery, J. John says. I just love that. We live in a world of miracle and of mystery. Sometimes we see the miracle. Ah, oh, man. Incredible. And sometimes it's a mystery that we don't. Brittany and I have prayed for people in dire situations plenty of times before. With Dan, we felt like we were praying without ceasing. It, it fervently, just, and I know there was a whole community of people doing the same thing. There was unbelievers praying for him the same thing. And we didn't get the result that we wanted. That's a mystery to me. I don't know why. But for those of you that don't know, we, Dan's body was missing and 
it was weeks, uh, three weeks, and the family had a celebration of life for Dan here at the church. It was absolutely beautiful, just an incredible testimony of who this incredible man of God was. And that night, that night they found his body. And for the family and for us, the not knowing was tearing us up inside. Where is he? And so that was a miracle for us, and it was a miracle for the family. It wasn't the miracle that we were looking for, but it was a miracle nonetheless. I begin to pray differently now. Instead of God, fix this situation that's horrible and awful, I go, God, show me how you're redeeming this situation. Show me where you're at work because I'm brokenhearted, I'm downtrodden, I don't feel like I have any hope, but I know that you're good, and I know that you're good in every situation, so show me how you're redeeming this situation. Show me how you're good. J. John also says something, I just love this, we are an Easter Sunday people living in a Good Friday world, but sometimes it feels like we're stuck at Saturday. I love that, and I mercilessly robbed it from one of his... Uh, I'm going to steal it again and again. We're an Easter Sunday people. We live in the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the world is stuck at Good Friday, darkness and death. But we're in between them. It sometimes feels like we're, we're not, but it feels like Jesus hasn't risen yet. But he has. Honestly, I don't understand everything, you guys. I don't know why that happened. But I want to give you permission to question, because I've been questioning. Uh, give yourself permission to question. Give yourself permission to be angry. Give yourself permission to be upset, because God can handle all of these emotions. He can handle all of these things. He's got so much mercy and love for you. He's hurting with you. He's grieving. His heart aches, even though Dan is in a place that's far better than here, and he's at perfect peace and at perfect joy with his creator. But even though God knows that, he's still hurting with this. I, I love what Pastor Stephen said. Jesus wept when he knew that his friend Lazarus had died. He was going to bring him back to life and he knew, like, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, <poof. laughs> But he wept because he identifies with us in our pain, in our grieving, and in our sorrow. So I don't understand why, but God is good in every situation and he is constantly redeeming all things and that is a reason for hope, even in our sadness. It says in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, live carefree before God because he is most careful with you. I love that. God is concerned about the things that concern us. He doesn't just operate in a vacuum of like, well, I'm sovereign, and this is just how it is. No, he, he's concerned for the things that concern you. You can give it over to him. What I found is that God wants the best out of every situation even more than I do. How are you redeeming this, God? Open my eyes, my blind eyes, to see how you are redeeming this. And look, whether you're a Christian or not, bad things happen. You know, Christians don't have the sole responsibility of trying to answer these questions. Every other worldview, every other religion, whether you're an atheist, a Buddhist, or not, you all have to answer that question. I'm so thankful that my God is actually at work redeeming the situation because if I wasn't a Christian, if I didn't believe there was a God, there would be death and sorrow and that's the end of it. And that is a hopeless situation. But with Christ, we've got hope. We've got hope that God is on our side. 
I can't see the big picture right now. God, you are at work. You haven't abandoned us. It's not because I don't have enough faith. It's not because I didn't pray hard enough. This isn't a punishment for anything that's going on. Life has just happened, but thank you, God, that you're here with me in this. I want you to say, it's not over yet. I also just wanted to share with you what I have personally seen. I'm sure there's a lot of other stories that has happened since Dan has passed. Um, because I do feel like God is at work at this situation. I can't see the whole picture. But a lot of you know that Dan was a, a completely selfless guy. To a fault. Right? I would constantly be like, hey, stop it. You've got to stop helping people so much. <laughs> what a ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> but he would just like, you know, like just keep shelling out money for people and I, he would like fix three people's cars in one day after work and then he would be driving out to Cochrane, and then he'd be driving out there. He was just always doing ridiculously selfless things. And what I've seen is that people want to become more like him. Because of this, because he's not here, people have realized his significance and his importance in this community and they go, man, I wish I was more like him. What they're really saying is, I wish I was more like Christ in Dan that loved people unconditionally, fully, sacrificially. Wow. I used to say to Brittany and a few people all the time, if you gave me 50 Dan pawns, I would change the world. Well, guess what? We have a whole community of people that want to be Dan Pond. Do you have any idea the impact that that's going to have on our community? That that's going to have on this city? Nothing will ever replace the fact that my friend isn't here. And that's okay. It's okay that I'm hurting. It's okay that you're hurting in any situation, in any grief, in any pain. It's okay that you're hurting. But God is going to use it so that all things work for good. And that's not an easy thing to say. And it's okay that it's not an easy thing to say. The future is so bright, you guys. That doesn't mean we're not hurting. I think the greatest legacy that Dan has left behind is a community that loves each other more, that is sacrificing for each other more, that is coming together in a more spontaneous way. I'm seeing so many people that never used to say, hey, let's go out for dinner, let's hang out, let's do that. I'm seeing so much of that, and it is so beautiful. And every time I see an act of kindness, an act of love that was always motivated by the love of Jesus and Dan for others, every time I see somebody else doing that now, I can't help but be filled with joy. And I can't help but be filled with hope for the future. That God is using this horrible situation for good. And again, like I said, that doesn't make, that it, doesn't make it okay that he's not here. It, it's, you know, it never will be. I'm going to carry this. I'm going to carry this. And I know you are too. If you're hurting, I want you to know that I'm not trying to rush you through it and God's not trying to rush you through it. There is no arrival date on feeling good after the loss of a loved one or a death of a situation or a death of a... Uh, a relationship or something, there's no arrival date at the end of mourning. You're not being rushed through it. God's not rushing you through it, and he's with you in that pain. But I'm so hopeful that the creator of the universe, the God of hope, is with me in my pain. Nobody else in any other religion can claim, can make such an outrageous claim. It is so incredible. 
There's another thing, this leads me into my last point that I have hope for, that brings me so much hope and so much joy, is that I am going to see Dan again. I know I have the expectation and the anticipation that I will see him again in heaven. Again, no other religion, there's, no, there's one way. And I'm so thankful that because of Jesus and because of the cross that I'll see my friend again. He's not, he's not here with us, but he's not really dead. He's more alive. And he's in this incredible place. And he's not in pain and he's not in suffering. And, and time's going to go by like that for him. The hard part for us is the separation between now and then. And I'll see him again. Can I have the band come back up? The last point in the truest way to get hope in our lives is through the God of hope. Did you know that hope is a person? That hope has a name? His name is Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is hope. All the other points are ridiculous in compared to this one. Through every pain, through all of life's struggles, this man, Jesus, will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He knows the entire story of your life, start to finish. And he chose you. And he loves you. He's madly in love with you. When we're hurting, when we're in pain, you just have to turn to him and cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. He wants to transform, transform your sorrow into joy. He wants to deposit hope deep into your soul and deep into your mind. Colossians 1, verse 27, the Passion Translation says, living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And this is the best part. God wants every single one of you to know it. Oh my goodness. If Christ is in us, there is a treasure chest of hope. And he wants everybody to know that hope. It's not just something for me and a couple other people. He wants everyone to know that hope. If we have Christ in our life, we have the assurance that we will live beyond this life. This is the foundation of all hope. Without this, life is meaningless. If we were to die and that were to be the end of it, we could live however we want, we could do whatever we want, and it would make no difference because it would have no impact and it wouldn't matter. But this life is not the only life, that there's one beyond it. That adds so much meaning, so much significance, so much hope for the future. Our foundation of hope is this fact. I miss my friend more, more than I can explain. But I know I'm gonna see him again. I know you are too. Whatever situation you're in, maybe it's the loss of a family member or a friend or a relationship or whatever. 
They're not truly dead. They're not truly gone. You will see them again. And it's the greatest hope of all. Like I said, I have been feeling like there's probably a lot of desperate people that are in need of hope this morning. If that's you, I want you to just stand with me to your feet. Actually, just all of us, let's just stand right now. In a minute, the, the team is going to lead us back into some worship. But if you're in a situation that seems hopeless, I'm here to tell you this morning, and this is a word from God, it is not. It is not hopeless. If Jesus conquered death, then every other situation and circumstance pales in comparison. But that doesn't mean that it's not impacting your life. It doesn't mean that it's not hard. But he can overcome death. He can overcome the situation that you're in. Every hopeless situation bows at the name of Jesus Christ. Today, if you're allowing Jesus into your heart, if you will receive him, he will be the hope of health if you're sick. The hope of heaven if you've been living in hell. The hope of being financially well if you're poor. The hope of justice if you've been wrong. The hope of honor if you've been humiliated. The hope of progress if you've been set back. The hope of friends if you've been betrayed or forsaken. The hope of fullness if you're empty. The hope of life if you're death. If the hope of recovery if you've lost everything. The hope of a child if you're barren. The hope of a job if you're unemployed. The hope of a house if you're homeless. The hope of joy if you're sad. The hope of peace if you're angry. The hope of friends if you're alone. The hope of a future when there is no hope. His name is Jesus Christ. And he is the hope of the church and the hope of the world. Church, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. The darkness cannot win. He is overcoming it. He is the light and he is with us here this morning. The band is going to lead us into a song of worship. Come on, let's just worship with an open heart right now. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.